Welcome to the Overflow Podcast. We pray you are encouraged by this message. For more info, notes, or other messages, download the Overflow Church app or visit our website at overflowdfw.com. We are finishing a series today uh, called Royalty that we started, I think it was about eight weeks ago we started this, and just kind of a journey discovering our identity as royal sons and daughters, that we're not just... We're not just peasants on the on the planet. I think that a lot of people bond to this mindset that we, we come to God. We're just kind of this meek and lowly thing. We are called to meekness. We are called to humility. But our position, come on, our identity is royalty. And, um, and we are sons of the king of glory. And that's a good thing. And so we've been talking a lot about our attributes. We've been talking a lot about dominion. That's what we talked about last week. And today we're going to talk about the splendor. Everybody say, I got a splendor. So you have a splendor. We're going to talk a little bit about that today. Now, when we talk about the splendor of royalty, we, we've, got, we've got to understand something that, that you don't carry a splendor that's of your own. Right. You have you have a splendor. You have a thing that that comes off of your life naturally. Come on. When you you guys have met people that are they just have this gift when they walk in the room, the room lights up. You, you ever met somebody like that? We, we might describe that as as somebody's like like uh, like who like. Like Nate. Nate walks in the room and everybody's like, oh, Nate's here. And he's, he carries a he carries a, a splendor. There's something about that person when they walk in the room. How many know that God carries a splendor, that there's something that radiates from the reality that who he is that, that actually is attractive about God? And, and I think many times that people are not attracted to God because they don't see God's splendor. They don't see God's glory. They don't see God's goodness. But listen, our story, if we're going to talk about our splendor, our story always starts with him. So in order to, to discover the splendor that's on my life, I've got to discover the splendor that's in him. When we talk about our identity, listen, we discover our, we, we walk in our identity by discovering his. So the way that you know who you are, if you're dead, Come on, if you've came to Jesus, the scripture calls us that, that when we come, we are dead in Christ, that we, that the life that we had is over, right? It's not just a B story. It's a total different story. We died, right? Come on. We, we were born again. It was a new life that we walked into. And so in order to discover that identity or walk in that identity, that, that new identity, then we got to discover him because we're dead unto him. Our life has been laid down for him. So we've got to discover him to figure out who we are now. Right? That's why it's so important that you don't just experience the Lord on Sunday because you might forget that you experience Him every day because you might forget who you are. You might forget who you are on Monday when Monday comes and slaps you upside the head. Because it will tomorrow. You're going to wake up and it's going to try to tell you that you're somebody that you're not. And so you're going to have to gaze at the, into the, the, the face of your Father to remember who you really are. That you're his, that you belong to him. Y'all all right? So we walk in our identity by discovering him. When we talk about this thing called the glory of God, right? How many of you guys know it? And I know it sounds real spiritual when we say that, with the glory of God. And we sing about the glory of God. What are we talking about? Well, what we're talking about when we're talking about the glory of God is we're talking about tangibility. When we, we as a church, we say we are encountering what? The reality of Jesus. So we're, not, we're, we're encountering Jesus not because 
This I know because the Bible says so. That's great. The Bible confirms who he is, but but we're experiencing him in a real way. What are we saying? We're saying we want his glory to show up. We want something tangible about his presence. We want something that with with uh you know, have you ever heard that story about that kid that's in his in his bedroom and then the guy goes into his bedroom and, and or the dad? The not a guy. That would be weird. That'd be creepy. So the the dad goes into the into the kid's bedroom because the kid's scared. And he says, listen, Jesus is always with you, right? And he goes, that's great, but I want somebody with skin on, right? Well, I believe that God wants to come and put skin, maybe not a physical skin, but he wants you to see and experience a tangibility of his presence. And we're kind of taught that we're spiritual if we can live without that. Well, I've been trying to be spiritual for 20 years, and what I've found is that I do better in my walk whenever I know that God's there because there's some substance to it. Now, I don't live by that. If the substance is not there, I still got to walk by faith. Come on. But how many know that that helps you have faith when you experience him in a real way? So when we talk about the glory of God, we're talking about something tangible, something that radiates from his essence. That word in the Hebrew language, I love the, the, the Hebrew language gives us this word for glory. It's called kabod. And kabod means the weightiness. So when we talk about, we, we talk about God putting his weight on it. So it's not just like, oh God, I know you're there, some kind of abstract. Da, 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 da. He's like, no, no, no. I want to put my weight on who I am. I want you to experience it. If I put my weight on you, if you're little enough, it could crush you, right? And so if I come over here and, you know, I'm a very affectionate guy. I I like to, you know, touch people, not in a weird way, but I just, I I like, I like to let people know I'm there and that I care about them. So I put a little weight on them and sometimes that freaks people out. And, uh, but God likes to do that. I think God is very affectionate. God's very touchy feely and he, he likes his glory, his weight to be revealed. So when we talk about his splendor, Splendor, the, the, the word splendor is this. I think we got the definition here. The word splendor is magnificent features or qualities. So when we talk about God's splendor, we're talking about his magnificent features or qualities. We're talking about his goodness. The, the word, um, the Latin word for splendor means shine or be bright. So, my definition of God's splendor is this heavy, visible light. Heavy, visible light. So God's heaviness, his glory, revealed his splendor. Y'all all right? Now, now, check this out. Splendor. We talk about splendor. What was the very first thing that came out of God's mouth in this story? In this story of faith? What is the first thing that came out of God's mouth? Let there be Light, Right there, Genesis chapter 1, verse 3. God said, let there be light, and there was light. God saw that the light was good, and he separated light from darkness. I think that's important as well, that God separates. What is, what is, what is darkness? Darkness is the absence of light. So God wasn't there. God, I mean, God may have created it, but, but he wasn't there. And then when God shows up, he goes, let me give you a revelation of who I am. Let there be light. That's why whenever Jesus came into your life for the first time, the light came on. Because when God shows up, he brings light with him. He doesn't even have to say, let there be light. He just shows up and there's light. Why? It's his splendor. That's what he brings with him. For, uh, 1 John 1, 5, God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. So there's no darkness in God. There's no gloom in God. 
God is light. Now, light is not God, right? Light is the splendor of God. This is exactly what we see with Moses. And we've shared this story again, but we're going to go into it today. Exodus chapter 33, if you got your Bible. Now, this is what Moses saw. You guys with me? Moses leads the children of Israel out of slavery, brings them into the desert. And God says, come up to the mountain. i got something to show you. And we know the story of, of the Ten Commandments. Now, listen. Exodus chapter 33. Moses said to the Lord, you've been telling me to lead these people. But you will not let me know. Whom you will send with me? How many of y'all have ever been there before? Lord, you told me to do it. Who's going who's gonna to do it with me? Well, we planted this church. I was like, okay, Lord, we're going to do it. Who are you going to send? Who's going to do it with us? You've said I know you by name and you found favor with me. If you're pleased with me, teach me your ways so that I may continue to find favor with you. How many, how many of y'all can appreciate that prayer? He's like, Lord, I, I, you know me. You found favor with me. You, and these are the, and he's reminded the Lord of what the Lord had told him. He said, if you're pleased with me, teach me your ways that I may know you and continue to find favor with you. So, Lord, I know you've been telling me this. You're telling me that, I know, that you know me. You're telling me that I have favor. He's reminding the Lord of that. He's like, but, but show me something. I need to know who's going with me. Then the Lord said, verse 14, my presence will go with you. Mm. And I will give you rest. Then Moses says, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. Other words, I'm not going to go anywhere that you're not going. I'm only going to go where you're going, God. I'm not going to step outside of where you're heading. If your presence doesn't go with me, I won't go. Maybe that's the way that we should wake up every day. Maybe we should wake up and say, okay, God, today's Monday. I know it's going to suck, but if you don't go with me, I'm not going. Come on. Okay, Lord, I got that job interview today, but if you don't go with me, I'm not going. Would we develop that kind of resistance and we tap into the presence of God in such a rich way that we say, God, I'm not going to go unless you go with me. Come on. Verse 16. How will anyone know if you're pleased with me? And with your people, unless you go with us, what else will distinguish me from your people, from all other people on the face of the earth? And the Lord said to Moses. So he said, Lord, what's going to make us different? How are people going to know that we're your people? And the Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing that you've asked. Because I'm pleased with you, I know you by name. So God says, I'm going to honor your prayer. And then Moses says this, now show me your glory. Now show me the tangibility. Show me the weight of your presence. I need an encounter. I need to know you're here. I don't just want a promise. I don't want just a verse. I want an experience. I want an encounter. Show me your glory, God. I'm not going to go without that. When was the last time we prayed this? God, I'm not going to do it unless you go with me. Because sometimes God's going to say, I'm not going there. Come on. Okay. Well, he'll never leave me or forsake me. That's right. He won't. 
but are you willing to follow his lead? I could go there, but I'm not going to. Listen. Then Moses said, now show me your glory. And the Lord said, okay, I will cause my goodness to pass in front of you. And if you know the story about Moses from this point on, it says that the the Lord kind of hit him in the rock so that he couldn't see God completely, but he could just kind of see the backside of God. And when Moses comes off the mountain with the renewed Ten Commandments, if you know the story, Moses comes back and his face is beaming with splendor. There's light penetrating from his face. And people were freaking out. And they said, well, what we need to do is we need to get a veil and we need to put it over Moses' face because the, the, the light that is on his face is fading. It's diminishing as time goes by because Moses got off the mountain, which he needed to. But this experience that he had faded with time. So he said, well, let's cover it so people don't think that he's backsliding. Right? And Moses goes and he leads his people. Now, what I want to emphasize to you today is that Moses encountered the glory of the Lord. Moses encountered the splendor of God. He saw God. He saw something that day that transformed his countenance. It transformed his life. It transformed the children of Israel. Listen, this is a king of light, but it is also a kingdom of light. Listen, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. We've, we've looked at this several times during this series. But you are a chosen people. Everybody say, I'm chosen. You're a royal priesthood. Say, I'm royalty. You're a holy nation. Say, I'm holy. Say, I'm holy. A people belonging to God. I'm God's. That you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. So God has called you out of a dark place, a kingdom of darkness. He called you out not to leave you in a desert. God calls you out to call you in. Listen, God doesn't ever call you out of anything unless he's calling you into something. Now, sometimes it's hell in the hallway. But God is always calling you. Anytime he calls you in a transition, he's calling you into something more than... He's calling you out of something. The requirement is you get out of what you're in to get into where you're going. So he's always calling us in. He's always drawing us near. But we got to come out of this to get into that. Y'all all right? How many know that if you want to experience the glory of the Lord, you got to let go of your darkness? That's not your kingdom anymore. You're new. You're different. You're transformed. That's, that, it's illegal for darkness to be there. Light permeates darkness. It penetrates the darkness. Right? There's no darkness in you. Well, this is just darkness. Let there be light. Any darkness, any sin, any sorrow, any brokenness, any shame, All the junk in your life that's got darkness attached to it, you need to start asking, Lord, show me your glory. I need your light in my life at a greater level. And listen, this is how the kingdom of God rules. The kingdom of God advances with light. 
This is how the kingdom advances. When we step on the scene, that's why when you show up at work and you're like, oh, and, and, you know, I hear this all the time. I just want to work in a Christian environment where everybody's nice and nobody has coarse language. We already hear enough from the pastor at church. I want to I want to go to a place where everybody's nice and they just love Jesus and we play worship music all day long. And so what you want is you want a light place so you can walk in and be a light. And how much difference does that make? None. So what God does is he calls us into darkness to reveal light. What is that called? Advancing the kingdom. So when someone's discouraged and you bring encouragement to them, what would you just do? You brought the kingdom. When someone's sick and you pray for them and they get healed, you brought the kingdom. When someone's lost and you lead them to Jesus, you just brought the kingdom. You brought the light. And this is our mandate to be a kingdom of light. The king's dominion advancing through splendor, the light of God. He rules with light. So Jesus demonstrates this, right? We see this in the life of Jesus. In fact, it says in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3, it says the sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. What was Jesus' glory? The Father's glory. What was the splendor of Jesus? The splendor of the Father. The sun is the radiance, the light, y'all all right, of God's glory. See, Jesus had a physical essence, okay? How many know that Jesus... Jesus was not physical, right? Before Jesus came, before Jesus came, he's in a pre-incarnate state. So Jesus always was. He's God. Jesus always was. And so before, before the incarnation, the virgin birth, Jesus didn't have a, really a body. He could take that form on sometimes, but Jesus didn't really have a body. So when he was born, he was born into humanity. So Jesus wasn't always a human, he was always, he became a human, he died a human, right? And then he resurrected into a glorious state, a glorified body. So what's crazy is that Jesus wasn't always a man, but he will always be a man. This is crazy. This is, this is good doctrine for you. So pre-incarnate human body, and then a glorified body. So when Jesus had his glorified body, he still had scars. He could still eat. He'd do all these things, right? So Jesus, listen, there is a man in heaven. There is a king coming back to rule on the earth, and he's not just in spirit. He's physical. He, Jesus is physical being. You all right? It's awesome. He gets a body that lives forever. Us, we have a physical essence. We were born. We did not pre-exist before we were born. That's actually a false teaching from Mormonism. If anybody ever tells you that, oh, we had a pre-exist and we were kind of floating around in heaven. That's actually false doctrine. Y'all okay? The Bible doesn't teach that. You were foreknown. You didn't pre-exist. Because you're not God. Only God's the beginning and the end. You weren't. You guys know in math, y'all know what a array is? Okay, and we know what a line is. A line is, is that what you call it? A line that has arrows on the ends that go forever? A line is eternal. God is eternal, but a ray has a point of beginning, but no end. When you were born, before you came to Jesus, you were a segment. Is that a segment in line? A segment, a line segment. I didn't do my math this morning, but, it, but it, it's coming to me. So you were a, before you came to Jesus, you were a segment. 
When you were born again, God took the cap off the segment and put an arrow on there. So now you will live forever. You were living, boom, you were born again. Now you have an eternal nature. Now you will live forever. Now you do not have a glorified body yet, like the body that Jesus has, a body that will diminish, but we will all be changed. At the return of the Lord, when Jesus returns, he will give us new bodies. Thank you, God. And we will have a glorified body just like Jesus has. We will rule. Listen, we will have physical bodies, glorified bodies, bodies that won't wear out, get fat, get old, get ugly, get zits, get pimples. We will have glorified bodies. Thank you, Jesus. You will get a body. And then what will happen is God will renew the earth and we'll come and rule and reign on the earth physically. However, where we are at in this story, most of us, is that we're in the, we're in the, the earth part. We haven't got our glorified body. All of us, none of us have their glorified body yet. But we're in the state right here in the middle. The state that we're in in the middle is supposed to look like Jesus did when Jesus was on the earth. Now, we can't look like Jesus is now. We will be that way. Y'all okay? This is a little eschatology, just a little bit. Y'all all right? But in this state, we carry a glory. We will have a fuller glory. Right? We'll be able to walk through walls and stuff. It'll be legit. We won't have wings. We won't turn into angels. Actually, angels are called to serve you. Scripture teaches us that, that angels are there for the assistance of the saints. Um, But in this state that we are in, we can still, just like Jesus did, carry the glory of God. Jesus carried the glory of God, did he not? Was he not attractive? Did he not see signs, miracles, wonders? Did he not come out of the water at, at baptism and it said that there was a lightning upon him? Come on. Did Jesus not go up into the mountain and his face was beaming when Moses, come on, was there? You guys remember that story? So in the physical state that we're in, we can experience the glory of God. It might not always be a physical bing, right? Because I think it has a sound. It's got to. <laughs> Listen, in your current state, well, one day when I go to heaven, listen, in your current state, you are an object of God's glory. Say that. I am an object of God's splendor, of God's glorious splendor. Listen, people would say this. There's a scripture in Isaiah 43, verse 7. Let me say this first. Isaiah 43, 7, you could just write this down. He says, I have made them for my glory. So God made you for glory. He made you for glory. It wasn't like, it's, it's not like, oh, um, wouldn't it be fortunate if I experienced glory? No, you were made for this. You were made for glory. Y'all are right with that? Listen, Isaiah 42, 8. And this is, what, this is what the religious spirit will come and quote right here. There's a scripture right here, Isaiah 42, 8. This is, God will not share his glory with another. And this is what people have done is they'll say, God will not share glory with man. That's not what the scripture is talking about. The scripture is talking about idolatry, and God's not going to share his glory with an idol. No, you are created for glory. Look, let's, let's look at it right here. And let me just say this. God doesn't share his glory. He imposes it on people that experience him. 
when you experience the Lord, just like Moses did, Moses wasn't, Moses wasn't asking for his face to beam. He was different when he came off that mountain. Listen, when you experience the glory of God, it will totally transform you. So God doesn't, God doesn't share his glory with you. He imposes it on you. Y'all are right with that. Isaiah 61.3. They will be called oaks of righteousness. We, we quote the scripture all the time. So powerful. A planting in the Lord for the display of his splendor. What are you for? For the display of his splendor. God created you for glory. He created for you to experience his splendor. Now on the earth. Now in your family, at your school, at your workplace, through the trials, through the triumphs, you were created for glory. You're created to be the display of his splendor. We are called to radiate the glory of God. We are clothed and filled with God's glorious splendor. Here it is. Romans 8.30. Having given them right standing, he gave them his glory. You're right with God. He gave you his glory. John 17, 22, I have given them the glory that you gave to me. What was the glory of Jesus? The representation of the Father. The glory of God is on you. So we take dominion by revelation of Jesus and illumination on the earth, illumination of his goodness. We say, this is the goodness of God. Look, the goodness of God. This is how we take ground. Isaiah 60, verse 1. Arise, shine, for your light has come. Your light's already come. So what you got to do is you got to wake up and rise up. Wake up and rise up. The light has come. Man, I just if the Lord would just do some stuff in my life, wake up and rise up. The glory's on you. All you got to do tomorrow, even on Monday, just got to wake up and rise up. For your light has come. The glory of the Lord rises upon you. See, darkness covers the earth and thick darkness over all the people. Yeah, that's right. Amen. Darkness. There's darkness everywhere. Just turn on the news. Just get on Facebook. Darkness everywhere. Darkness covers the earth. And what is, what is our mandate? What is the mandate? But the Lord rises on you, and His glory appears over you. Nations, listen, nations will come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your dawn. Listen, God has put in you His glory because He wants to attract nations. Not just get you through this dark hour or this dark season, but to bring nations. We, we ask God, give us the nations. And he's like, go to the nations. My glory's on you. The darkness is there. When we see darkness, we don't run away from it. We run to it with the light of Jesus. When we see sorrow, we don't hide ourselves away. We run to it. We run to it with the light of his presence. Woo. How, do, how, do I, how do I increase this splendor? If I have light, how do I get the light brighter? How do I get my light brighter? Come on. How many of y'all need to have your light brighter? I, I need more, 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 more fire in me. I need to be brighter to my neighbors. Come on, I need to be brighter to my family. Come on, are you with me? How do we increase in splendor? Number one. 
is by competence. Competence. See, competence is the ability to do something. Y'all have met incompetent people before? <laughs> Not you. You're like, man, you just can't get anything done. <laughs> How many of y'all ever been incompetent? Yeah. Right? But listen, competence in the kingdom is to ability, an ability to carry out the goodness of God. When Moses was incompetent in this story, he goes to God and he's like, Lord, you've been telling me you're going to go with me. You're going to tell me that you have your favor on me. You're telling me all this good stuff, but, but who are you going to send? How many know that he didn't have competence? And God said this, listen. I'm going to go with you. I'm going to go with you. Listen. Get the job done, and you will see. You go before the Lord. You ask him for what you need. Then you start stepping out and obeying him and the things. Moses was already in obedience. This was his second trip to the mountain, by the way. Moses was already in the temple. He was already doing his thing, but he wanted increase. But the glory in our lives increases through our competence to say, you know what? I can get the job done. I can carry out the goodness of God. Um, when we listen, and competence can only be, competence is something that we possess, but it's, it's kind of like we have to have a reference point for it. Does that make sense? I can get it done maybe because I've done it before or maybe just because I have enough in me that I can just get anything done. Have you ever met somebody that they can just do anything? It isn't an annoying, right? They're like, thanks, thanks, thanks. Yeah, another thing they can do really great, right? It's interesting how we get. In order to carry out competence, we, gotta have, we have to have an experience of God's goodness. If we're going to be competent with the goodness of God, if we're going to steward the goodness of God, if we're going to be competent in demonstrating the goodness of God, just hold on with me, then we've got to experience. James 1.17, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights who does not change. Where does the goodness, good things that happen in your life come from? Huh? From the Father. Every good and perfect gift is from the Father. Every good. Listen, even the little good. So many times, to carry out competence, to carry out competence, we've got to learn to celebrate the little good. Celebrate the little good. Celebrate the little good. When you celebrate the little good, you, you, you can believe. You can have competence. You can carry out the bigger good. You can brag on God, listen, demonstrating the goodness of God. The things that God is, we're talking about good works, but we're also talking about the good things that we've experienced from the Lord. Are you with me? People want to blame God for all the negativity. People want to blame God for all the frustration, for all the negative things. Listen, God is good. We've we sung about it this morning. He's a good, good father. It's who he is. It's who he is. He's a good, good father, right? You just, sometimes you just need to preach that. When you're praying, God, you're a good father. It's who you are. It's who you are. Just stir yourself up just like that. It's who you are, God. But then 
We don't just experience it, but we actually carry it out. Competence. See, our light will shine. This is going to start connecting now. Our light will shine when we start carrying it out because when we carry it out, it bleeds out. When we carry it out, it bleeds out. So we're sitting here, Lord, wait, wait, wait. And he's like, just go, and I'll go with you. That's what he told Moses, right? Moses is like, Lord, I'm incompetent. He said, go, I will go with you. So the competence to carry out the goodness of God. Start bragging on God more. Start bragging on the little things that God did. Start telling people how good God is. I know, I know, old school is just tell people how terrible they are and how miserable they are and how needy they are of a God who's a little bit upset or a lot upset. Right? That's kind of the way that we typically have evangelized. Well, you need to come to God. He's really mad. Wow. That makes me want to go to God. It's like, go, go in the bedroom and talk to your, it's like telling Judah, go in the bedroom and talk to your dad. He's really upset. Rather than, hey, go in the bedroom and talk to your dad. He's got something for you. Come on. We need to start emphasizing the goodness of God. And I know we're getting better, but we we need to keep doing that. Listen, we radiate his goodness. It's it's a virtue of attraction, of appeal. What did Jesus say right here? Matthew chapter 5, verse 14. You are the light of the world. You are. The church is the light of the world. Not the church will be the light of the world. You say, oh man, the world's pretty dark. Well, we just need to shine brighter. There's no plan B. There's no other options. You can sit around, criticize, and complain, and wish it was different, but, it's, but, but this is the way it is. This is the state it is. So you can decide to shine brighter, be a little bit more positive, but being so negative, but being so moved by the status of your surroundings. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. So when we start demonstrating the goodness of God, when we carry it out with competence and say, man, God, I got your goodness. I can do this because I walk in the goodness of God. We will see the goodness of God. It's like God puts like a cycle in us of demonstrating and receiving, giving and re- Come on, giving and receiving. It's a cycle of his goodness, competence. Number two is the confidence. Splendor increases on your life through confidence. And when we're talking about confidence, we're talking about forgiveness. We're talking about position. And we're talking about assignment. You can do what God's called you to do. You can be who God's called you to be. You can. Don't let your past tell you any different. Don't let your experience. Oh, well, in my experience, how about forget that? How about forget your experience? Right? How about let's just trust the Lord. Not about what's happened, but what's happening. When we, when we don't have confidence, our tendency is to kind of hide out. Right? I, I, I'll be honest with you. I know y'all think that I'm just like, like this all the time, and I can just walk into a room full of people and be like, hello, how you doing? But sometimes I get in an uncomfortable situation, and I kind of like show up, and I'm like, oh, hello, nobody's here that I know. Hey, I'm just kind of calm over here in the corner. Oh, hello. I'm going to check my emails. I'm a really important person, right? 
How many of y'all have that tendency sometimes? You kind of you shut down. Why? Because you don't have the confidence to be, in, be who you are. And one of the things, listen, if there is a glory killer, if there is a glory killer that I know, it's shame. It's this thing called shame. We see it in the garden. Right? We see it throughout history. We see it in our lives. It call, shame causes us what? To hide our face. I can't believe I've done that. I can't believe that happened. That was so stupid. Shame causes us to hide our face. But 1 John 1.7 says this, and I, I'm really speaking to the, to the bad choices that you've made, the things that have robbed you of your confidence. Listen, if we walk in the light, 1 John 1, 7, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we will have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. So how do I develop confidence? By walking in the splendor of God. By walking in his presence. Y'all okay today? Y'all are quiet. Psalm 34, 5, this is life verse. You've probably heard me preach it. You'll hear me preach about this as long as you know me. Those that look to him are radiant. They are radiant. Those that look to him are radiant. Their faces are never covered in shame. See, the only time shame can set in is whenever we stop looking up at him. God, I, I did it. Oh, gosh, I'm just so stupid. Look at me. That's what he's saying. Look at me. Stop looking at your failures. Stop looking at your weakness. Stop looking at your mistakes. Look at me. Look at me. Look at me. This is the cry of the Father. Look at me. Stop looking at them. Stop looking at yourself. Look at me. We're so self-centered. Look at me. Look at me and shine. There is no shame when we fix our gaze on him. That word radiant means, it is, it's a Hebrew word, nahar. And it means sparkle, sparkled like a flowing river. So it's like a river is flowing and light comes down, boom, and shines off of it. Our faces are never covered in shame. Our faces are radiant. We reflect the glory of Jesus. Confidence. Carry out your confidence. It's who you are. And I'm loved by you. It's who I am. It's who I am. It's who I am. Number three, our countenance. Our countenance. I mean, you know, Moses had a countenance change. Uh, the, the countenance is the way that we carry ourselves, our attitude, our composure. Uh, Matthew chapter 26, verse 75. Peter is hiding out in shame. Of Jesus. Remember? Peter's denying Jesus. You guys remember this story? And then they're like, hey, you're one of Jesus' followers. And he's like, no, I'm not. And they're like, yes, you are. I can tell by your accent. I can tell by the way that you talk that you've been hanging out with Jesus. What, it is, what was the, the, the accusations against the, the disciples? What did, what did people accuse them of? They accused them of being like Jesus. They accused them of being like the ones that they were around. They realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, but they took note. They paid attention that these men had been with Jesus. Their countenance was different. They carried themselves different. Things didn't affect them like they affected everyone else. They were different. 
Listen, we emit and emulate his splendor. It is our countenance. Just like Moses that day, he had a countenance shift. He looked different. He looked different. We emulate the splendor of God. Y'all okay? I feel like I'm preaching this real hard today. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 12. We have such hope. Oh, come on. We are very bold. Yes. So you just need to pray that in every day. I have such hope. I'm very bold. There it is. Pray that. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 12. We are not like Moses who put a veil over his face to keep the Israelites from gazing at it while his radiance was fading. But their minds were made dull for it, for the same veil remains when the old covenant is read. It has not been removed because only in Christ it is taken away. Everybody say, the veil is taken away. There was a veil over your life that could not reflect the glory of God. But when you came to Jesus, he tore the veil, not just in the temple, but of your face, of your countenance. Listen, even to this day when Moses is read, a veil covers their hearts. Verse 16, but whenever anyone turns to the Lord, when they are born again, the veil is taken away, and now the Lord who is spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord, there is freedom. Freedom what? Freedom to walk without the covering. Freedom to walk without the opinions. Freedom to do everything they're called to do. Freedom to be who they are. And we who with unveiled faces now, because the veil was taken away, because now I'm a ray, not a line segment. And when the veil was taken away, we, who with unveiled faces, all reflect the Lord's glory and are transformed into His likeness with ever-increasing glory. So we're transformed. The veil is taken away. We're transformed. We're different. Your accent's different. Why do you respond to things so differently? Because there is, God has possessed you with his glory. And because when you live this thing out, you are walking and it is increasing, not decreasing. This is what happens. This is what happens when we have one encounter and not another. We have an encounter with the Lord and then we go forward just like Moses and it fades But God has taken the veil away so you can go into his presence every single day. This is why it's so important for you to have a prayer time, private prayer time, private worship time, private time in your Bible. Listen, Sunday's great. Sunday is like family meal time. We all get together. We eat. Rub-a-dub-dub. Thanks for the grub. Let's pray. All let's eat together. Yeah, that's what we do on Sundays. But if you don't eat Monday through Saturday, you're going to become malnourished. Y'all are right. So you want that glory to increase, then you've got to start walking in it. Can I tell you today that the same spirit that was on Jesus is on you? And it's not a glory that's fading. I did youth ministry for years, and it was like, can if we can just get kids, student ministry for years, if we can just get kids to camp. That was the youth pastor's of, of my day, they were always like, if we can just get kids to camp, we can, we can get them on fire for the Lord again. And then two weeks later, the fire's gone. And I said, as a youth pastor, I was like, we're not going to have that. We're going to have the glory all the time. And so there was no, like, little, you know, it was like rebuked if they were, like, on fire for the Lord and then they quit. It was like, it wasn't like, oh, did you get touched at camp? It was like, what are you going to do to keep your foot on the gas? Come on. <laughs> it paid off. 
So it's not about, not about necessarily your experiences. Those are great. But what are you experiencing? So this is really how we increase glory. Probably titled that last, probably could have titled that better. But how do we increase glory? How do we shine broader? Number one, by fixing our gaze. I'm going to get through this real quick. Fixing our gaze. John 1.14, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen, we have beheld his glory. The glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. That word behold means to look intently. A careful and deliberate vision which interprets. We have beheld the reason why they were so transformed. The reason why they looked like Jesus. The reason why they got accused of being with him. Come on. calling When they called them Christians, it was an insult. The reason why this happened is because they beheld him. They were with him. And this is why he turned. But can I tell you today that even Jesus, after Jesus went to the Father in his glorified body to be in heaven, they still beheld him by the Spirit of God that fell in Acts chapter 2. They continued to behold the glory of God. It all begins with beholding. We become like what we behold. We become like what we behold. Whatever you set in front of you, whatever you look intently at, whatever you are careful and deliberate about looking at and gazing at and spending your time on, that is the thing that will become your obsession. And you'll become like that. And we behave. Listen, we also behave according to what we behold. Because it all begins with beholding. So behold him. Get before him. Spend time with them. This is how you increase that ever-increasing glory. Number two, by filling. Listen, get unsatisfied with the level that you're at. I know you're comfortable. I know it's good in the hood. I know that. But listen, that the cry of Moses would be our daily cry. Lord, show me your glory. I'm not going to go unless you go with me. Show me, show me, show me. The show me your glory lifestyle. This is how we radiate on the earth. Ephesians 5.18 says, Be not drunk with wine, but instead be filled with the Spirit. What is it saying? It's saying, listen, you know how people drink and they keep drinking and they get drunk? That's how you need to be with the Spirit. You need to drink and drink and keep going until you are intoxicated by the Spirit of God that you function and act abnormal. Be being filled, if you study that out in the Greek. So I was filled with this. I was baptized in the Holy Spirit on on July 4th, 1993. That's when I was baptized in the Holy Spirit. But every day I get filled with the Spirit of God. Every day I get before the Lord and I say, God, fill me with your Spirit. Show me your glory. There'll be a lifestyle. Y'all okay? And then it spills out. Number three is by flowing. You you, you guys can come up. Whoever's going to come up. Listen, by flowing. So how do we... How do we see it? How, 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 how do we experience it? By fixing our gaze, by filling our lives with the Spirit. And number three, by flowing with this flow. First Thessalonians, listen, 5.19 says this, Do not quench the Spirit of God. You know how we quench the Spirit of God? Is whenever the Lord's saying, I want to shine through you right now, and we go, oh, not right now. Oh, not right here. Hey, go, go tell that person about how good I am. Oh, not right now. Don't you know, Lord, i got to be at a meeting? Don't you know I need to check my Facebook? 
No. We live in the flow of the Spirit. This is, listen, this is, I know I'm preaching hard today, but this is something we're all learning and living to do. We're all learning and living to do this. That we would get in flow with the Spirit. That we say, God, I'm only going to go where you go, and I'm going with you. And this is where you're going, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let your glory shine here. I'm going to let your glory shine in my relationships. I'm going to let your glory shine at work. I'm going to let your glory shine on the lost. I'm going to let your glory shine on the hurting. I'm going to be healing to the hurting. Come on. Don't quench the spirit. Well, God, God can do anything. He absolutely can. God can do anything, but he chooses to reveal his glory through his people. This is what royalty is all about. It's living in the glory of God. It's living in the, in the splendor and the light and the presence of Jesus and allowing it just to radiate off of us.